Actually, years ago, uh, you know, I was going through something. I, I was worrying on my knees and calling the prayer. And I approached God, and this is what the Lord says. He said, when I worry, you can. So a lot of times I'll run to him and say, you worried yet? <laughs> but hallelujah. How many of you understand there's nothing you can do to make God not love you? There's a bunch of stuff he doesn't like, but he'll always love you. He loved you when you were yet sinners. If you don't know Christ tonight, he's strong. He, he, he'll, he'll love you to the day you die. In fact, to be honest with you, it's his desire to love the hell out of you. But you're going to have to receive the love for the hell to go. Come on now. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles, you can go to Isaiah chapter 9. I'll meet you there eventually. You know, just a couple of quick announcements. Everyone has them, but we do have CDs back there. And if you like, if you like what you hear, take the word home with you. Come on now. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If you have a computer, just go to our website, woodsandministries.org. And we have all sorts of things to download and, and you know, everything, everything's ministry oriented. Everything's word oriented. You know, we have a five-minute devotion. No, uh, we have three or four we put on every week that thousands of people are now downloading. And it's just a neat opportunity to, to minister to people that way. And, and if you do have a computer and you're on Facebook, I need friends. <laughs> I really am desperate. <laughs> so, yeah, you can just type in Preacher Woody Woodson. I usually have a one-liner that day and, and some scripture to go with it because I always think in one-line increments. <laughs> That's about as far as I can go. Well, I'm going to get right in the words, and I, I do have something for you. I believe it will, it will transform you. It's been an interesting year for me. It started you know, towards the end of last year during the election because knowing one of the candidates changed a lot of things in me. But I'm not here to talk politics, but I am going, going to bring things into prophetic things. And how many people understand there are parallels? And many times, if you don't understand the natural, you won't understand the realm of the spirit. There are parallels going on. And one of the things that, 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 you know, I remember after the election that, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the board of the school where uh, Sarah Palin went, to, you know, it, it's the church where Sarah Palin went to church for years and years and years. And the pastor called me up after. He said, what do you think happened in the election? And I, I said this. I said, you know, the Republicans didn't have a message. I believe that. Don't look at me that way. But I, believe, I also believe the president had the right message and the wrong interpretation. Because I, he believes government's the answer, so do I, but not this one. Come on now. Let me give you scripture. God's not against government. He's not against God. Jesus came to restore a government that was lost. Come on now. We are the government of God on earth. The church is wherever we bind is bound, wherever we loose is loose. We're the doorway of heaven. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says this, For unto us, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. You must understand that, that the kingdom is the government of God. Come on now. That we literally, we're not under, you know, we don't have Burger King. We don't do it your way. 
If you have it your way, you have Burger King. If you have it Yahweh, you have the King of Kings. Come on now. You're not your own. Come on. And you begin to recognize that we need God's government. If you need housing, if you need a new house, you need government housing. So go to your heavenly father. Go to your heavenly government. Come on now. Come on now. Ask your heavenly government for housing. It would be a whole lot better housing than government housing down here is. Come on now. If you need, if you need a healing, and I've been there this, this year. I, I, I'm wearing these shoes. These are rocker shoes, by the way. Makes me a rock star. They are ugly and they are expensive. But they literally are supposed to keep me off my toes because I got two broken bones in my left foot right now. And, 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 and I'm a toe walker by nature. And it's really hard for me to be off my toes. You know, and I believe one of the things that, you know, I, I've been believing God for my government health care plan. That by his stripes, I'm healed. Come on now. Do you hear what I'm saying? That by his stripes, I'm healed. It, I mean, hallelujah. It's open to everybody that's a believer. See, whatever you need, look to your government. Now, you know, you got to understand something. The lack of God's, you know, anytime God's influence is pulled back, his affluence is pulled back. Lack of God's influence equals poverty. You study out throughout Scripture, anytime God had no longer had influence in society, the society, nothing worked. When they got right with God, everything began to work. And it's our job to get people right with God. Come on now. Amen. And, you know, with the other message that the, the president was bringing is change. And I agree with that. I believe in reformation. I don't believe we can leave things the way they are. I don't believe that. And I believe we're here to be changed from glory to glory, from faith to faith. You know what the medical definition of something not changing is? Dead. You know, and that's where the church has been. Not here. But a lot of, have you ever noticed that dead and asleep look alike? <laughs> I, I, I've been places. I say, God, is, the, is this church asleep or is it dead? Now, you got to understand something. My, my sister-in-law lives with my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law, when she sleeps, she breathes real lightly. And my sister-in-law tends to be full of fear. So almost every night, my mother-in-law is wakened out of sleep by my sister-in-law. Like, are you alive? Are you alive? <laughs> Why? Because she looks dead. But the bottom line is it's high time we awake out of sleep. Yeah. We've been looking dead too long. Come on now. Yeah. You know, if you'll rise, the glory will come down. Rise and shine for the glory of the Lord. If you don't rise, there's no glory. Come on now. You're going to get something tonight whether you like it or not. <laughs> Some of you are going to smile and it will increase face value. Trust me. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> New muscles, baby. Hey! <laughs> but you know, God began to give me some words for this year, and I don't know how to preach. I know how to fill up and explode. But he gave me a word. He said, we must align in 2009. He told me the church, he told me that his body was not aligned with the head. You know, every time God wants to do something, if we're not aligned to the head, he can't do it on earth. Because we're his expression on earth. 
If he wants to talk to somebody, it has to be through somebody that's listening to God. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, many people, they're out of alignment because they're not seeking first the kingdom. You know, if you're trying to fit God into your schedule, you're out of alignment. Period. If, you know, if you're serving God out of convenience and not out of commitment, you're out of alignment. And years, years ago, I was preaching this, that the restoration of the tabernacle of David, which is praise and worship, was the beginning of the restoration of all things. I heard a lot of people preach that. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, where does it say it in my word? Well, I said, you say you're going to restore all things, you're going to restore. He said, yeah, I'm restoring tabernacle of David. But he said, it is the revelation of the kingdom, which all things are tied to. You seek first the kingdom of God and all these things, all these things, all these things will be added unto you because you're operating under the authority of heaven. Come on now. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, the message of the kingdom is not the gospel that a lot of people preach. The gospel a lot of people preach gets you to heaven. The message of the kingdom brings heaven to earth. It's a message of who's in charge. And the truth is we're in charge under God. Come on now. Whatever we bind is bound. Whatever we loose is loosed. Whatever you permit is permitted. Whatever you forbid is forbidden. See, God wants us to begin to align. You know, when, when I, I, I had a, this thing on my back when I, hurt my, I broke my foot and I also had two bulging discs on a sciatic nerve. I couldn't even walk for a while this year. But the bottom line, they kept sending me the chiropractors to try to realign me. Because when, when one part of your body's out of alignment, the whole body hurts. Do you hear what I'm saying? And God's going to make some adjustments with you. Come on, let him adjust you. Let him adjust you. Let him adjust you so there can be a flow again. Some of you, he wants to get rid of your regrets. There should be no regrets if you've put under the blood. You must never regret what God's chosen to forget. And if you've confessed your sins, he's forgiven you. He's forgotten about it. Come on now, no looking back. Do you hear what I'm saying? God begins to adjust us. There's adjustment going on. If we're going to walk with God, we must walk in agreement with God. Say what he says. Believe what he says. This is a year of alignment, baby. We're getting back in alignment. Come on now. We're allowing the head to dictate what we do. If we're going to live like Jesus did, we're going to live from revelation of heaven to earth. We're only going to do what he sees us, you know, what we see him doing. See, what, what originally originates out of earth has no authority. What originates out of heaven has all authority. So if flesh and blood reveals it to you, then the devil has dominion in that area. But if it's revealed from your father, which is in heaven, the gates of hell can't prevail against it. When I was a youth pastor, I, 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 the name of our youth group was basic, Brothers and Sisters in Christ. And I put a mission statement on the back of a T-shirt that caused a major stir in Tulsa. That, that was in the you know, late 70s. And it was just my, the mission, mission statement was getting the hell out of Tulsa. And I, I, I had all these people calling up and saying, I can't believe our church is saying, get the hell out of it. I said, I can't believe our church is not getting the hell out of everything. That's our job. Your job is to get the hell out of your family, get the hell out of your school, get the hell out of your business. Come on now. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So wherever the devil has dominion, chase him out because God's given you dominion and authority. To do upon the treading, 
Does this make sense to you? When you get aligned, when you align your life right, he shows the salvation of God. So God told me it'd be a year of alignment. He also told me it'd be a year of restoration. How many of you have had things stolen this year that you need to be restored? I mean, until about a year and a half ago, I was a genius on the stock market, not anything else. But I was, man, I looked good. I looked good. And about a year and a half ago, I looked pretty bad. I was doing, you know, I, you know I, I've done a lot of studying, you know, with, after like David Ramsey's material, and, and, and I, I love it. And I was doing about as well as he was, not, not well, percentage-wise. And then I was doing pretty, about as bad as he was percentage-wise. <laughs> but, you know, but it's, but it's the wise, wise thing to do. But, you know, how many people say when the devil steals, believe God to restore Believe God to restore. Uh, one outpouring of the Holy Ghost can make up. One outpouring. Many of you felt like, man, we're behind. We should be further along. One outpouring of the Holy Ghost will make up for all the years the canker worm has eaten. One outpouring of the Holy Ghost can bring you to a place where you can't get there by yourself. Where if life had been perfect, you would have been there. Come on, somebody. We need to begin to cry out for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because God is going. And out, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, all it does is bring revelation. Young men have vision. Old men have dreams. And if you're like me, you have both because you're in a midlife blessing. (laughs) Come on now. My wife just has dreams. (laughs) It's true. She looks like a teenager, but I tell her, I can tell you, you just have the dreams. I have both. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, some of the dreams I have are not, not necessarily from God, but... I remember one time I was in bed and I, I thought I was facing, uh, I was facing Randy Johnson. Of course, I play ball and I'm sitting there in this, uh, and this. Literally, he threw a mean slider with a six foot uh, ten frame, and I, I was a left-handed hitter. And when I played pro ball, I'm leaning back and in my dream, and next thing I know, I hear a thud, and I'm looking straight up. And my wife looks over and says, you okay? I said, that was one mean slider. (laughs) Well, those aren't the dreams I want, but (laughs) I just thought about that one. But but how many of you understand God wants to give you some vision, baby? Because without a vision, life stinks. I had a roommate one time in college. And this roommate was a, he never bathed. Well, once a month, whether he needs to or not. Well, he needs I used to work out with him every day in the gym. So, I mean, it wasn't like he never sweated. He just bathed once a month, man. And we, I went to church one time with him. And, you know, it was one time when I wish he wasn't charismatic because, he, you know, when he raised his arms to paint on where the wind was blowing. It could be tough. And, you know, we were worshiping one day, and, and, and he looks back, and about three rows back, he sees this beautiful girl. And he looks over at me, he says, you know her? I said, uh-huh. He, he said, Can, will you introduce me? I said, no. <laughs> he said, what do you mean, no? I said, you stink. <laughs> he said, I stink? I said, you stink. You smell bad, you stink. You're going to scare that girl. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, he, 
He said, so I said, you stink. And for the entire next week, I don't even think he went to class. I think he was in the shower the entire time because he caught a vision. You know what I'm saying? He caught a vision. Come on that. He caught, uh, you know, uh, it amazed me he wasn't all shriveled up when he came in there because of the watermarks. But when he came in, he raised his hands and everybody sighed in relief. We were all praising God. <laughs> and you know, how many of you understand that, that most people always sit in the same seats? Have you ever noticed that? You know, I, I, be, I believe what we do is we rub our scent into the seat. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're so upset when someone's in our seat because we're going. <laughs> I, I just believe that way, you know. <laughs> Come on. Well, she was back where she was supposed to be, and he looked at me. He said, "Well, now will you introduce me?" I said, "Now I will." And you know something? He ended up marrying that girl a year later. And you know something? He hasn't stunk since. <laughs> See, without a vision, we stink. Life stinks. Come on now. And God wants to give you fresh vision. Right now, some of you walked in here tonight saying, life stinks. Life stinks. You know why? You need a vision. Come on now. You need a vision. Because if you get a vision, life won't stink anymore. And the outpouring of the Holy Ghost will give you vision. It will give you provision. It will give you everything you need. Because the kingdom's in the Holy Ghost. Does this make sense? And God told me also this year would be a year of recovery. That's the big one for me because I, I get around America. One of the things that bothers me right now is I sense such a spirit of heaviness in a lot of places. And you, you know, you got to understand something about me. I, I, I'm a joy bug. I think everything's funny. I think you're funny. I do. I, I do. I think everything. My wife says, do you think everything? I say, I think everything's funny. I really do. I mean, if you don't believe God has a good sense of humor, look to the right of you, look to the left of you, or look in the mirror. We all funny. We all are funny. Come on, we are. And the more serious you are, the funnier you are to me. Come on. It's true. You know, that's why I, love do, I, I, I love doing funerals because I roast the guy. I honestly do. I have people come to funerals that don't even know the person. It's like a Christian Don Rickles thing. <laughs> but, you know, I, I will never do a funeral of an unbeliever. I won't because what I'm going to say, oh, we're going to celebrate the going to hell of so-and-so. I ain't doing it. <laughs> but if, they, if, if they've graduated, I, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to celebrate. You know, I may be hurting when I'm celebrating, but I'm going to celebrate anyway. Because ultimately, we're going to see them again, and they're better off than they've ever been. Come on now. Do you want? So I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to make sure it's an upbeat thing. Come on now. You know, I'm not going to allow people to grieve as the world grieves. Come on. Do you hear what I'm saying? Well, you know, David was living in Ziglag before he was under attack. Ziglag means overwhelming despair in 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. He went out to fight the enemy. How many of you have ever done the right thing and suffered for it? You know, if I, if I get around America right now, this is, this is what I'm constantly hearing. I did everything right, and I'm hurting. I, all my investments were safe, and now my pension's gone. You know, how many people understand one moment can destroy your life, in a sense? You know, 
Last year, one moment, I went from being very strong and very healthy to a wheelchair. One moment. It kind of redefined me for a little while. And all I wanted was my life back. So I remember just looking after a few months of pain. I said, God, I just want my life back. I want, my li- I want to do what I could do before. I want my life back. You know? So God told me this would be a year of recovery. Sometimes recovery is a process. It may not be an instantaneous miracle, but you know, I'm 85% better. 85% means I can walk, I can move, I'm not in a wheelchair anymore. I'm grateful for that, but I'm not settling for 85. I'm on my way to 100 or 110 or 120. I got steroids in my back. I may play professional baseball right now. Hey! <laughs> Always wanted to use steroids. What a waste. But... <laughs> but anyway... David and his mighty men went out to fight the enemy. The enemy backdoored him. Have you ever been backdoored by the enemy? You know what I'm saying? Taken by surprise, you're doing everything you thought that was doing right, and the enemy stole his wives, his, his kids, burnt the houses to the ground, stole all their goods. And these mighty men, when they came back, they wept until they had no more strength to weep. And these were macho men. I believe men should be macho. I'm one of those guys who honestly believe men should be men and women should be women and you should be able to tell the difference. <laughs> I don't know if that's hard to do. You know, you know, my wife will always ask me, how do you feel? I say, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. But if you keep asking, I'm going to feel angry. <laughs> I say, honey, you do the feeling, I'll do the thinking. You can be the heart, I'll be the head. Come on now. Because I don't, when I get in touch with my feelings, I need deliverance. I got this lead pipe, I got this lead pipe in my office and people all the time say, I don't feel lead. So I haven't touched the pipe. They said, now you feel lead, obey God. Okay. You know, it's not that I'm unfeeling. It's just that you know, when you're a conqueror, you're not thinking about how it makes you feel. But there are moments where even mighty men weep. And they came back and they saw that they wept until they had no more strength to weep. And they picked up stones. and they, It's amazing when everything's going good, they praise God. When everything's going bad, they look for the pastor. It's even worse when you're a prophet. Because when you're a prophet and you prophesy evil, it's coming, and you get it right, they blame you. You spoke it into existence. If you get it wrong, they stone you to death. So either way, that's why the church is a non-profit organization. Come on, somebody. Well, they, 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 they picked up stones. They talked about. And David did two things. Huh? And these are two things. If you're going through zigzag, overwhelming despair, if you're, you're going, these are two things you must do. Number one, he encouraged himself. 
Too many people pray too soon. I'm sorry, they do. They don't, you know, they don't build themselves up so they're in faith. So they pray from a place of begging instead of believing. You know, they, they, they worry on their knees and think God is appeased. And be honest with you, even though he's touched by the feelings of your infirmities, he doesn't answer anything but by faith. David encouraged himself. You know, one of the things I found out about people, if you don't love yourself, it's hard to receive from God. One of the biggest lies of the devil is you're unworthy. The blood has made you worthy. You are worthy. You are worth Jesus Christ. That is the value that was placed on you. Come on now. You are worth in God's eyes Jesus. So don't ever say you're unworthy. You are undeserving. I get around people all the time. They say, well, you deserve to be prayed. You deserve to be blessed because you've worked real hard. I said, don't say that. Don't ever say I deserve to be blessed. I deserve to be in hell. I don't deserve any good thing. God just, he gave it all to me. Everything I have came from him, came from faith in his grace. Grace is God's hands outstretched to me with everything for life and godliness. Faith is my hands outstretched just to receive it. I believe I receive it, God, but it's based on grace. I couldn't earn it. I never could earn it. If you're here to earn a healing, you're not going to get healed tonight because it's a free gift. And God will resist the proud. The proud is the ones who say, I deserve it. I deserve it. I deserve it. You don't deserve a thing. But you are worthy of it. Understand that. David encouraged himself. You know how you encourage yourself? Remember all the times you've been through things in the past and God got you through. Remember times you were sick in the past? I had to remind remember times that, that the doctor said, I would, you know, one time he said I, was, I had a brain tumor. One time, I mean, I, I went through all those things with God when I was going through this thing lately. I said, God, this is going to be just like one of those. It's not going to stop me. You were faithful before. You'll be faithful now. And many times when I go through financial troubles, I just remember when I had nothing and God still made a way where there was no way. And I begin to encourage myself. Come on now. And this will be just like one of those. Be honest with you. A lot of times, like I said, I enjoy being with me. You know what depression is? Not liking yourself. You know what the biggest problem in the body of Christ is? You love others as you love yourself, but you hate yourself. (laughs) See, if you're too critical of yourself, you're critical of others. Come on now. When you're you're always condemned, you condemn everybody else. so So you try to put them in your category. I love being with me. I'm with me more than anybody else is. The two things, two people I love most in, in life are God and me. I love, because they're my two constants. They're always with me. The next is my life, my wife, because we're one flesh. But be honest with you, I, can't, I love her as I love myself. So I love me. And guess what? When you love you, you don't, you don't, you're, you don't really, you're able to freely love everyone else. And you're not so Worried about what other people think. So David encouraged himself. And then David, the Lord said, go in the enemy's camp and get back. This is what I hear from God. If I hear anything else, it's time to go in the enemy's camp. 
It's time to invade the world. It's time to go in and take back what the devil's stolen. It's time to set captives free. It's time to go get. Come on now. It's time. When you, when you take a hit, the best thing to happen when, when, I, when I literally, they wheeled me to meetings for two months. All I, pray, all I preached was healing, held healing revivals when I couldn't even move off a, steel, a stool. And God was still doing miracles, miracles, miracles. They have to bring the people to me because I couldn't even go to them. Because pray ye one for another that you may be healed. When you're depressed, find someone more depressed than you and you'll be glad you're not them. No, but lift them up also. Come on now. <laughs> Reach out. Reach out. Well, David went in. Guess what? David recovered all. He didn't recover just what was stolen. He was covered what was stolen from many generations. He literally went in and, and, and spoiled the enemy. He went from being a poor man before the attack to being a rich man after the attack. There was a tremendous transference of wealth. And don't think transference of wealth is not important because God says the silver's mine and the gold's mine. And he's going to make sure his kids have it before he returns. Come on. The areas of major attack right now are the very areas that God's going to bring major revival in. That's healing and finances. There's been more physical attacks than I've ever seen. There's been more financial attacks. Why? Because the enemy knows what's coming. Come on. So one of the things God began to deal with me this year, and this is where I'm going to get into for a few minutes and we'll pray for you. But he began to deal with me from a scripture. He told me, he said, Woody, how come you're, why are you trying to just make disciples of people? Why don't you disciple your culture? In Matthew 28, 18, this is going to all the world and preach the gospel. It says, it says, make disciples of all nations, of all nations. God says, you know what the number one job of the church is? Influence. That's what your job is. You're the salt of the earth. You are literally here to change everything. You're the light of the world. Your job, see, most Christians are praying to get out of here. Jesus is praying you'd stay. Come on, somebody. If I see anything, if you're not mixing with dirt, you ain't doing your job. We're here to change this place. How many of you understand when you got saved, as far as God was concerned, your Christian, your family at that moment was supposed to become Christian? Both you and Acts 16, 31 and your household shall be saved. I was the first one saved in my family. In this generation. Other generations had preachers. I was the first one in this generation saved. And, you know, literally we were heathen to the bone. But you know, now when we get together, my brother's in the ministry, my dad was an elder, my mom served on boards, you know, I mean, my entire family, when we get together for anything now, it started with me. But it's a Christian culture. No one complains about having to pray before they eat. No one thinks about that. You know, this nation at one time was a Christian culture. It was a Christian nation. I agree with the president when he says it's no longer a Christian nation. But I'm not happy about it. 
Because I remember when I was growing up and I grew up in New York City, you know, you had prayer in schools. That, you know, no one was killing babies. I remember when I was growing up, there was not, there was not a family I knew. And I had 5,000 people in my high school. I did not know one family that there was a divorce in. Not one. Now, I knew that some of them didn't have happy marriages, but there was, some, there was pressure in society that kept things together. Your word was good. You could, you could turn on TV and you didn't have to worry about who was sleeping in what bed. In fact, early on, husband and wife didn't even sleep in the same bed. I remember <laughs> when they had the two single beds or whatever and I love Lucy or something. Like, now, I, 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 that, I, that was reruns for me. <laughs> Come on. I'm not as old as Methuselah. But the bottom line on the thing is, you know, even when they got in the same bed, at least it was husband and wife, you never had to wonder about what, what was going to be on TV. It was always safe. Why? Because there was a, you didn't have to question whether marriage was between a man and a woman. Duh. I'm sorry. Some things are so obvious. I always tell Bessie, just let them have their way. But make sure they don't adopt. If they have their way on that type of thing, they die out in a generation. Because it's, it's not God. It just ain't God. Some things are obvious. I'm sorry if that offends you. Hey. There's a reason God made them Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. <laughs> now, I, I, if you, you know, if you have, you know, if you need, if, you know, I, I love, people may not understand it, but I actually love gay people. I honestly do. Because they need help. But I am not going to say it's the right thing. Because that's not love. It's not love to tell people, I'm okay, you're okay, when they're going to hell. They need deliverance. That's not right. Light. But see, God, God began to deal with me about changing culture. How many people are saying part of the reason why we don't change our culture is we try to be something we're not. So we're letting someone else's light shine. I was beginning to preach this. and I told people, I said, you got to find out who you are to be authentic. See, find out what you're already passionate about and bring people into your world. Find out, you know, years ago when Willie George was was called into children's ministry. And well, he actually wasn't even called. He went to his pastor and said, I feel called into full-time ministry. And he said, the only area we have open is children. He said, I don't like children. <laughs> well, he said, pray about it. He prayed about it. Well, he didn't like what he saw in children's ministry. And the Lord said, what do you like? He said, westerns. He said, I love westerns. He said, why don't you bring those kids into your world with a western theme? Teach them faith with a Western theme. And out of that was born, you know, Gospel Bill and Gunther and, and, and the, you know, the whole deal. He began and he's touched millions of people living in. See, our problem is we try to bring people into a world we don't even like. 
You hear, oh, I got a witness, and you think, oh, you know, that ain't me. But if you find out where you are, you can let your light shine. Find out what drives you. If, you, if sports drive you, you got influence over people with the same drive. Bring God into it. You know, if you're into cars, find people, you know, literally use whatever hobby or passion you have to let your light shine. Because you're already excited about that part anyway. Just introduce them to your God. You got something in common. I was preaching this in the church. And I'll never forget this. This, you know, it's a church I preach twice a year. I'm on the board of, I'm on the board of about 30 some odd churches. And we started five this year. So that was pretty neat. But, you know... This guy came up, he was a hunter. He'd been in church for 30 years, a gruff old hunter. And I preach there twice a year. He shows up once a year because during hunting season, you don't see him in church. He's a hunter. So he came up to me after, after church service. He said, preacher, me and the boys have been talking. That's how he talks. Me and the boys have been talking. He said, we think we found a ministry. That freaked me out because I didn't know he knew what that was. I said, what's your ministry? He said, you know, there are a bunch of 12 to 18-year-old boys in this area that don't have a dad. We figured that we need to teach them the most important things of life. Hunting. (laughs) Fishing. And God. I said, change the order and we'll be okay with that one. He said, God, hunting, fishing. I said, okay, I will work with that. He said, we think we can do something. Now, you got to understand something. This guy sat in a church for 30 years, never witnessed anyone in his life. Never, ever, ever, ever won anyone to the Lord in his entire life. He went out. Next time I came in, it was amazing because it was during hunting season. He wasn't there Sunday morning. But Sunday night, I walk in, and he's sitting on the front pew, and there's 50 young men behind him. 50. 50 from 12 to 18. And afterwards, he's, he's just grinning from ear to ear. He said, I want to introduce you to my boys. This is Timmy. He was born again on such and such a date. This is his brother. He came the following week and received Christ. This is so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. I, he said, he said Woody, I've led them all to the Lord. He said, 75 all in total. And, he said, and there's other counties that are now looking to do what we're doing. And he was so excited because he finally found his world. You know, if it doesn't excite you, why would it excite them? You know, every one of us has an on button and it ain't religious. If it is, we in trouble. (laughs) You know, religion turns people off. Jesus turns people on. Let me show you again how this works, and I'm going to pray for you. How many people are saying, the whole message of the kingdom is it starts as a seed and it takes over. It grows and everything comes underneath its covering. It, it starts literally as a little leaven that leavens the whole. It's the whole message of the kingdom is we don't fit in, we take over. And we take over by our giftings. It's how we do it. Our gift makes room. Our gift makes room for the presence of great men. See, the problem with the church is we've separated secular and spiritual. There is no separation. Everything you go into is spiritual if God's in you. You let your light shine wherever you are, praise God. And God will put you between a rock and hard place to save the rock and save the hard place. Several years ago, we were going through the worst economy Tulsa ever knew. 
And that was like early 80s. Actually, you probably were right there. Remember the oil bust? I forget where, what the unemployment was, but it was skyrocketing. There weren't any good jobs. And that was when I, I you know, I'd come into the message of faith. And, you know, I, I was a successful youth pastor. But I, I was in disagreement with the leadership of the church. And it wasn't their fault. They were preaching what they always preached, but God opened my eyes. I had to go with the word. I'm going to be honest with you. You have to go with the word or you'll lose it. And it was hard because I, I, I went to them. I said, I don't agree with you. He said, I know it, but we can't fire you. Everybody loves you. And for six months, I would sit down with the pastor and, and we would literally discuss our doctrinal differences, even though we loved each other. And after six months, we've really realized this wasn't going to work. But I walked in love. And I'll never forget when I, when I stepped out of there, I mean, I was married to my wife and I'm thinking, God, I need a job. There is no job. So I had to, I began to confess. I said, God, there's no job for anyone else but me. I'm your favorite, God. If, if you have to create a job just for me, you're going to create a job just for me. I thank you, God, that, that you'll make a way for me. That, Lord, if you have to feed us with bird droppings, they'll be the type we can eat, just like Elijah. Come on now. But somehow you're going to provide for me because I'm obeying you. And, and I mean, I opened up the, the newspaper and there it was. Farmers Insurance Group. They wanted an arson investigator. No experience necessary, just a college degree. I had a college degree, and I had no experience. <laughs> 130 applications, one job. But God was setting me up. And how he was setting me up, I, I went in there, and, and I had recommendations. And the first recommendation I had was a guy from the church whose son was hooked on drugs when I got there. And God used me to set him free. What I didn't know was the guy interviewing me, his son was hooked on drugs. His heart, his heart was breaking. What can I do for my son? What can I? So he calls up this guy and says, can you tell me about Woody Woods? He says, I, I can't tell you what he'll do for farmers insurance, but let me tell you what he did for my son. I walk in there. He never asked me about it. didn't tell me anything about the job. He said, sit down. Can you help my boy? I said, does your boy want help? I can't get anyone delivered who doesn't want deliverance. But if they want deliverance, I'll get them delivered because God and me will get it done. Come on now. If there's any part of their flesh may be weak, but if their spirit is willing, they'll eventually be free. Just the way it is. And God used me to set them free. But for the next two years, I was the worst person in that office. I didn't want to be there. I didn't think it was right that I had to be in a secular job when I was full-time ministry. <laughs> Come on. It just wasn't right. And, they were, and everybody in the office were complainers, and I'd complain better because I was anointed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I just would, oh, man. And I was still teaching. I probably was teaching you at the time at Victory Bible Institute. And I'd come in and I'd get my, I'd take the, I would take the basket out over my head when I went to preach. Ha! And, and everybody would say, oh, isn't he wonderful? I went to work and it's like, uh. Everyone else used cuss words. I didn't use cuss words, but I was just as foul as they were. Bad attitude. After two years, one, one of the supervisors overheard me. 
And he called me in the office, and he this way he said, you either change your attitude, don't come on Monday. I got alone with God. Do you know what God told me? He said, I placed you there to change the culture of that office. And he said, you, I will not release you from this assignment until you've done it. And he said, you choose how long you stay. So I came in the next day. You know what, how it was? I came on in. I looked for every opportunity. I didn't preach all the time. They weren't paying me to preach. They were paying me to do my job. But every opportunity I took, and I began, and I literally prayed with all 43 employees over the next three years to receive Christ. Every one. And in fact, my boss and one of the girls in the office were living together, and I performed the wedding in the office. I mean, we changed it. It started off where they were all using the Lord's name in vain. By the time I left, they opened and closed in prayer. It was wonderful. I begged God not to leave. I begged him. I said, God, I can preach on weekends. I love this place. (laughs) See, once I got the hell out of there, it was like heaven. (laughs) Come on now. And I asked God, I said, can I stay? He said, no, I got to bring you to another place that's just like hell because they need heaven. Come on now. And everywhere you go, you're going to be going, literally going in to the enemy's camp because and literally displacing him. And I started thinking about that. And all of a sudden, I started thinking about the one. There was one contractor, and I'm closing in a second, but you're going to be a world changer. One of the biggest problems with the body of Christ, when you first get saved, you believe you can change anything. And then all of a sudden, you get so realistic, you lose all your fire, all your influence. Stop reaching. It's wrong. I remember one contractor, I literally, this guy was, it was hilarious because I called him the contractor from hell. He really was. His mouth was so foul. I mean, you talk about foul mouth. I've never seen anybody with a foul mouth. And I've been around. I used to have one, but not like that. He was just, he had words I had never heard. <laughs> they weren't in Webster's either, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, and you know, I had this rule because he, he, he did the best work. I, I had other Christian contractors, and, and when the ha- people's houses burned down, I said, I can, I can give you brother so-and-so, and you're going to love him. You're going to love him for years because he never gets the job done right. But he's the most wonderful man. He'll eat at your table. He'll become the uncle to your kids. <laughs> or I've got the contractor from hell. I never get, his work is from heaven, but his attitude is from hell. He, ne- I mean, you know, when, if you hire him, t- send the wife and kids out of town. <laughs> but I never have any problems with his work. It's always done right. And you know, I gave him literally millions of dollars worth of business, but I had one rule. Every Friday, he would have to come in to get the paycheck himself. Nobody else. And I, I, would, I told him, I said, I'm going to preach at you for five minutes. We're going in the break room, and I'm preaching. I'm setting, the, I'm setting the clock at the end of five minutes. When it dings, you can get your paycheck. No preaching, no payee. <laughs> and this is what he said. He said, do you mind if I cuss at you? I said, no. So literally every Friday, I'd be preaching. He'd be cussing. I'd be preaching. It was the preaching cussing session. And all the, the whole office would literally take off to listen to the preaching cussing. I could hear him laughing at the door and ding at him for three years. You know, I looked forward to it too, actually. And, you know, after three years, I left. And 
You know, it was like 10 years after I'd left the company, we were looking at buying the house. We're always looking. But we were going to build on a room if we bought this house. So I, you know who I called? Also told my wife she was about ready to go on vacation. <laughs> so I, I called this guy up, and this is what he says. He said, Brother Woody. He had called me a lot of names before. Brother wasn't one of them. He said, Brother Woody, I've been thinking about you. He said, remember when I used to kind of give you a hard time? I went, and I, you know, he only had one devil left. I wasn't going to cast it out. <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, let me tell you about what happened. He said, five years after you left the company, he said, I was driving down Broken Arrow Express where I was going over 100 miles an hour. I was drunk. I had just had a fight with my wife. That I knew the marriage was over, and I was going to you know, drive my brand-new Corvette off the, you know, off the bridge at the Broken Arrow Express where I was going to kill myself. He said, your face came in front of my face. And he said, all I could hear was you preaching at me. He said, I I, I pulled over and figured I might as well give God a shot. He said, I couldn't even get out of the car. I fell out of the car and I just started crying out, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. And he said, all of a sudden, I became sober. Everything changed. He said, all I knew is I had to go home and talk to my wife. I, he said, I, I didn't want her. I didn't think our marriage would be healed. I just need to make things right with her because I'd been such a jerk. So, so I drove home, dry, drove into the driveway. I rang the doorbell. My wife took one look at me. I never opened my mouth and she fell on her face and began to cry and said, you've changed. I want what you have. He said, I didn't know much, but I just dropped to my knees and told her to cry out to Jesus too, the way I cried out, Jesus, save me, Jesus. And she did, and it did. And he said, it didn't stop there. He said, you know, did you know there were Christian radio stations in Tulsa? I said, yeah. He said, we were driving down the road and we heard about Josh McDowell and he was taking a bunch of, uh, of his, his material into Russia. And he said, we had our passports, but it was like two weeks away. But we called them up and they said, come on. So he said, we found ourselves in Russia. And he said, well, do you know we haven't been able to have kids, which I didn't know. He said, we were in the orphanage in Russia and this does not happen to this day. He said, a little boy and a little girl came up to us. We started loving them. There was a government official there. The government official came over and said, do you love those kids? They said, yes. He said, do you want to take them home with you? He said, Within, he said when are you leaving the country? He said, two days. He said, we flew out of Russia, and we've been saved less than a month with a daughter and a son, marriage intact. And he said, Woody, he said, I would love to build the room for you, but I can't, and it's your fault. (laughs) I said, what do you mean it's my fault? He said, we have sold the business. We're moving back to Russia to work work with the orphans in Russia. That's where he is today. Why? Because God changes cultures. God changes cultures. Come on now. If, you, if, you're, if you're in the school, change your school. Come on now. Wherever you are, be the change element, the element of change. Come on. Let your light shine. You know, God wants to, he wants to salt you with fire. He wants to put passion in your bones. He wants to show you that, that he made you for a purpose. He wants to use every natural gifting and spiritual gift. 
You know, I'm constantly ministering to athletes because I used to play ball. You know, I wasn't all that good if you know who I was. But the bottom line is, if, you know, if you've been in someone else's shoes, they have a tendency to listen to you. You know, that's why I don't listen to skinny people talk about diet. Unless you can show me pictures of you fat, I ain't listening. <laughs> Come on now. It's true. See, every one of us has a story to tell. Every one of us has something we can... T- I mean, we're, if we're further along than someone else, it may be part of our own deliverance to help someone else and say, Hey, 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 I'm better than I used to be. You can at least get to where I am. Every one of you. See, anything God's done for you, you become an authorized dealer of. As you receive, give. I want every head bowed, no one looking around. That's the way we do in America. I go overseas, I just command people to repent. In fact, I just preach until they come forward. This thing is, they come forward and then they go back and they still expect you to preach again. You know, if they've, if they've traveled for three or four days, they don't want a 30-minute sermonette. Because <laughs> sermonettes are for Christianettes. <laughs> Come on. <sighs> Guarantee if we fed ourselves naturally like we fed ourselves spiritually, we'd be a skinny bunch. Come on. I need to ask a question tonight. It's the most important question there is. We have fun in God's presence, but you know, Jesus came to die for you. He paid the price of every sin you'd ever commit. He literally died. He was buried third day, rose again. Lives at the right hand of the Father and make intercession for you. There is no reason for anyone to perish or anyone to leave here not right with God. God's not going to make, he's not going to upbraid you or anything else. He's not going to make, he's not going to embarrass you. He just wants to free you. But to as many as receive him, he gives power to become the sons of God. I need to ask a question tonight and it's a very important. Is there anyone here tonight if you die tonight?